This podcast is brought to you by Ericsson Immigration Group. Why do we feel safer in Asia? Because this place is not conditioned with five, six hundred years of writing a, spe- a specific narrative about, about us. All right, so that also means that if you yourself are of the mindset of not being held down or of not viewing yourself, your skin color as a hindrance, then you will only see that your skin color is an opportunity just as much in, a, in the same way as it has been for me. So I think part of that safety feeling is simply because of the fact that you are not amongst people who are preconditioned over centuries, over five, six hundred years of believing that you are by nature to be feared. Right? That doesn't exist over here. You know, uh, you can even, and even if you encounter it in anyone, you can quell it in a very, very short time. Right? Because within a five minute engagement, you can make anyone realize that, oh, okay, well, whatever prejudice I had would clearly have, do not exist in this person. You know? And after some time, I think it's about being at ease enough, being at enough ease with yourself to realize that if you're not a threat to yourself, how could you possibly be a threat to anybody else? You are an asset wherever you go. And you really have to train yourself to believe that and realize that. That's an excerpt from the popular YouTube channel, The Black Experience in Japan. Ronzo D, the creator, travels throughout predominantly Asian countries and interviews black immigrants on their lived experience. A narrative not globally covered, yet is rich in insight. Ronzo joins today to share the origins of his journey, why he decided to create the channel, and what he has learned from his unique interactions with black immigrants throughout the Eastern world. I'm Ian Gaines. Come join us Beyond Borders. I am an absolute fan of your YouTube channel, Black Experience in Japan. And I started watching about two years ago. I think one of the first videos, the caption was like 38 years in Japan. And I was like, whoa, 38 years in Japan. I, I just have, I didn't have that exposure of black people living that long in Japan. And I was like, let me check it. Is this guy still surviving? Is he all right? Do I need to (laughs) do a call SOS or something like that? And um, it just was very eye-opening. But here in Japan, Mm -hmm. I am a free black man. I came here when I was 21. Mm -hmm. It's the first time, well, I was almost 40 years ago. Next January will be 38 years ago, nearly 40 years ago. But living here, I feel free. I don't fear the police. I feel like a free black man. Actually, I'm just a free man. Just how the treatment was, how he felt free, that cognitive weight that that bears on you, maybe living in America or living in Europe, um, that didn't really experience that as much so and that's what really started me watching more and more and then people in singapore people in thailand it had similar stories and i'm like wow without being exposed to that i would not know that uh could be you know experience of living black abroad specifically in asian countries so i i thank you for creating that and and showing that to the world yeah, no problem, man. Um, uh, I guess the way it came about was people were asking me as at the time as a live streamer, vlogger, uh, they were asking me constantly what it was like being back in Japan, right? So that was 
a question that came so many times. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm tired of y'all asking me this question. Um, so that was one of the, I guess, impetus. And the next one was black people primarily would ask me, uh, what is it like being black? And then you had people who weren't black, um, who would make very ignorant statements about black people overall, right? And black people in Asia uh, and Japan. Well, Japan at the time, um, actually. And I felt like, you know, I wanted to put forth individuals, show people who they are for those people who have no idea who black people are. I want to show them mm -hmm. this is who we are. You know, we're contributing to society in Japan. And for those who were asking the question about what is it like being black, I felt like my experience alone would not be sufficient. So I was like, you know what? Let's get a variety of experiences, diverse views from a diverse group of black people. And that I think would give people a more accurate depiction or a representation of what being black in Japan was. Right. Absolutely. And about your background, um, where do you originally come from and what first motivated you to live in Japan? I'm from Jamaica, actually. Okay. So Jamaica, that was where, you know, born and bred, as they say. So my fascination with Japan came through anime. You know, it sounds cliche. Oh, I always say that because <laughs> I'm on the same tip. Because no problem. <laughs> yeah, because people are like, um, everyone says anime, but it was my reality. So that was the first thing because I'm like, I'm into art. I like all these things, designs, etc. So when I saw anime for the first time, I was like, I was like, wow, okay. And then I, that was the thing that led me down uh, the rabbit hole, I guess. Um, so that was the first introduction to Japanese culture. Um, and then as I progressed, you know, I started um, getting more interested until the day came, made the trip to Japan. Um, but yeah, it came full circle. I just, uh, it was, I was working at this place in Canada and the manager, um, she came over and we had this random conversation and Japan came up and she was like, I went to Japan for two years on this program. It was cool. Da, 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 da. I'm like, really? I'm like, hmm, let me, let me go home and talk with my wife and see if we can make something happen. So we went to, I went home, spoke with my wife, and uh, it just happened that the deadline for that program was two weeks out, which was crazy because the application period was, I think, six months, six to 12 months or something like that. So that conversation happened when there, there was only two weeks remaining. And then we, you know, we put in an application and then we got, we got in. So I think it was fate. with Black Lives Matter and the cultural awareness that's happening. I know that you had a couple of videos on that. Um, I kind of skimmed through, but I'm really interested with how maybe Japanese are absorbing it. How's that communication and letting them know what specifically people in America, Black Americans, are, are fighting for and, and why? 
Um, yeah, so the reality is um, I'm not an organizer, but from what I've heard, Japanese people helped out. Um, there were Japanese people present at the march as well. Uh, but also there are some Japanese people who just exist within their own world. And uh, they don't really know much about, you know, um, the struggle of black people, the plight of black people mm-hmm. and what black people go through. Um, but, you know, there, there has been articles and things like that. So hopefully uh, that gave them more insight um, into what's going on. Uh, some people did comment on my channel, most of bilingual Japanese people. And um, we've started putting uh, subtitles on our videos, Japanese subtitles now right, um, yeah. for those who can't speak idea. English so they themselves can get an insight um, into what it's like, because that's one thing that the the videos that we do um, is they're really powerful in actually communicating to pe- to non-black people. Uh, and it's funny because when I'm on the street, whenever a white person, usually it's a white person uh, that stopped me, they always say, oh, I know I'm not black. I know I'm not black, but I do watch your videos. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, yeah. I'm like, come on, y'all don't have to say that all the time. But I was surprised the first time when white people started stopping me because I thought it was only black people. I'm like, I was, I'm making these videos for black people. I don't know if, you know, like, so when other people are watching it and they message me, I'm like, oh, snap, okay. Um, so I guess it provides an opportunity for people that are not black to understand the black experience um, in, a, in a pretty, I guess, safe way for them. Like, they don't have to, like, you know, maybe find themselves asking awkward questions. They can just watch a video and learn something that, that they never knew before. So... Um, and it does that for all people. So that's pretty cool. Right. And I think just now with having technology and being able to share our stories across the world, honestly, and show the humanity, because when you walk through life and you have a preconception of a person, you're only basing and judging that person off of the stories that you heard and yeah. you're getting these biases implanted in you. But if you have a time to sit down across from this person, ask about where they come from. How did they grow up? Where are their desires? Where are their dreams? Where's their goals? And you're like, oh, wow, that's very similar to me. Yeah, I, I want to take care of my family, make sure that everybody's good and, you know, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. ha- have a good living wage and all just the basic stuff. Um, then that opens up that layer of humanity for us. And it's a process, but it's improving. Yeah. But the truth is, and I've said said this a few times, uh, the person is not who you see. You know, it's funny because, look, you, this is the truth, man. No one can judge a person by the way they look. I know that we all do it as humans. Like you see a person, like maybe they're not dressed for the occasion or they're dressed a certain way, dressed oddly or whatever the case is. But the truth of the matter is, until <laughs> mm-hmm. you have an authentic and open conversation with that person, you don't know who the person is, right? Because someone could look one way and when they actually start talking to to you, you find out that this person is not what you thought they were, um, you know? Um, and sometimes you could lose an opportunity of meeting like an, a really wonderful person, a friend or whoever, because you allow your preconception to stand in your way. And you lost that opportunity. So the person is never the the, uh, the exterior, never. Um, someone might look tough, might not be tough. Someone might look soft, might not be soft, right? <laughs> so it's all about what's on the inside. That's the person. That's the reality. That's it. Like Maya Angelou would say, when a person shows you who they are, believe them. So, <laughs> But you got to wait for them to show you. You got to wait until they show you. Um, 
So uh, back to your channel. So out of all your interviews, just thinking about the time spent working on this channel and all the people that you talk to, what are some of the greatest lessons you learned from your interviewees? Okay. Um, I guess one, and this has been well documented, I think on the channel where it's like safety. A lot of people talk about safety, you know, mm -hmm. feeling safe in Japan versus their home country. Um, and that can be whether it's America, it can be, um, you know, somewhere in uh, Africa, for instance, or uh, maybe from Europe or the Caribbean, you name it, right? Um, another thing too is people, a lot of people talk about coming to a country with an open mind, uh, mm. which I think does make sense because sometimes if we come uh, closed off, you can't really learn anything. Um, you can't see things for what they actually are. Uh, you probably will be engaging engaging in a lot of projection, um, you know, of just what you think upon the society. And so you won't actually see and, and experience it for what it is. Um, mm -hmm. I would also say that it would be, it's good for all of us to travel. If you have an opportunity, just, just do it. Um, it will open up your mindset. You learn so much more about uh, yourself, about humanity. Um, it helps with just ignorance overall, man. I'm telling you, even myself, when I started traveling, I'd opened up my mindset coming to Japan, a different culture, one that's so different from what we're used to. It's very, very different from the West. <laughs> very different. Right. Uh, so you can't help but learn. Uh, some people actually said that uh, they learn more about their own culture because people are so inquisitive that they find themselves, you know, like digging deep to, to, to find stuff out about their own culture. And it's true. Sometimes right. you don't know everything about your own culture where you got to like, oh, snap, they're asking you this. Well, oh, what's actually the answer? Let me try to find it. Right. So you, you find some people say they feel more African or more American in, you know, Asia versus, you know, back in their own countries. Uh, so that's another thing as well. So it's a, it's, I would tell everyone, man, you, some people might not like it, but at least if you have the opportunity, don't say no, try it out for, you know, go for a visit, you know, spend uh, maybe a month or uh, two weeks, whatever, but, um, get out from where you are at least for a little while and get a refresher and, and go back and let me, let me know what you think. Right. Yeah. I, I think the videos being black and feeling safer away from America, that really hit home. Born yeah. and raised, I'm American, red-blooded, <laughs> steak-eating. My family's from South Carolina and Georgia. So we we here from the beginning, you yeah. know. Um, so that's that's all I knew how divisive it has been and being 11 years old and my parents having that police officer talk with me, saying like, mm -hmm. okay, if a police officer comes, this is how you interact is, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. You know, don't make any sudden movements, man. I'm I'm literally 11 having these conversations. Yeah. And um, that's just operating Black in America. Um, yeah. But comparing to your video about the, the feelings of safety and just feeling free and not as much profiling or people just have a peace of mind, they don't have to think so much about threats. Yep. And I feel like the dangers of being black in America, I don't feel in Japan. I feel like it's very safe being over here. And I guess a part of that reason is because Japanese people don't really know about black people. So saying that you're black doesn't come with like these labels that I feel like we are put against in America. I feel safe. I can do what I want. I can, I can uh, go anywhere I want at any given time. I feel like I just have more freedom being in Japan and being black. And a lot of people say, 
after leaving Japan, even for a visit, visiting somewhere else, you got to remember, sometimes I forget, snap, I got to like put on back, you know, my armor, so to speak. I got to get yeah. ready now uh, because it gets so used to being feeling so safe in Japan that when you leave and you travel, you forget as a simple example for me. Um, but for me, in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm like, you know what? I can defend myself. So I had my wallet in the side of my bag because it's, it's one of those the big ones because in japan there's so many coins and stuff so you can't just use a small one you gotta like have a thing where you can put coins in so i got this big thing or whatever so mm-hmm. it's in the side of my bag so i was in vietnam and then i was coming out of this spot and the security was like nah you take that out you, you can't put it there you gotta put that inside because these people just take it right so in my mind i'm like oh uh, you know i worked around in japan and, and, and i'm thinking if someone grabs it i'm like there's no way you're gonna outrun me so I'm like, you ain't going, there's no way. So I'm like, I'm like okay, well. Make it, then you I'm stay bold. I'm like, I'm ready for it. So I'm like, I'm ready yeah. for it, right? But the thing is, because I'm so used to doing that in Japan without thinking about it, because no one is going to take it. But now I go to Vietnam, which is not like Japan. You know, apparently pickpocketing is a problem there. So just to show you, like, you come to Japan, you get used to a certain way of being. When you go somewhere else, you tend to forget that you're not in Japan. Right. So it's a real thing, man. And it's a it's a good feeling. You know, me coming from Jamaica, for instance, you know, a very tough country, a rough country. Uh, when you go out, you have to be ready. You know, especially where I lived, where I grew up in Jamaica, you have to be ready every single time. And when you're in Japan, you don't have to be ready for anything. You just go out, you just walk around, like you know, just laugh, just be lackadaisical, you know, distracted. You're, it's fine. You know, you go into a store, there's no one uh, walking behind you to see what you're trying to take up. You go into a, um, a high-end store. I don't know. I don't buy these things, but you know, if you go into Louis Vuitton or whatever, people not um, following like you that. around. Yeah, like that, you, right? you can even try stuff on like jewelry and stuff. You go in, oh, you see like a, a, I don't know, like a chain or whatever. They just put it on your neck, and you just hey, that's it. They treat everyone when it comes on the customer service. You're treated like an, any other person, and that's mm-hmm. what you know. Someone said to me in one of the first interviews I ever conducted. It's like, you know, in somewhere else they're probably going to close the door. They're going to watch you. They're like, okay, like, let me just, can I come around this side? They're just, they're going to watch you. If you're going to try to like jet off with, with the stuff, but in Japan, they treat everyone. When it comes to customer service, you go into a place, you're treated, you know, like it's, it's amazing. So it's real. It's not, but I'm, I must say as well, it's not perfect. You know, you do have like, you know, one and a few things, but in comparison to the, to other countries, man, yeah, it's very, very different, man. And people fall in love. So people come here for a year and now 25 years are still here, 20 years, 15 years, 10 years. And that's that just is a testament to, you know, how um, peaceful the country is, you know? Mm. Yeah. Right. It's beautiful. What are the, some of the main challenges if you want to move there and live there for an extended amount of time, mm-hmm. maybe in your own experience or people that you've interviewed have brought up? Um, well, once you get here, I think the one of the, the most challenging things is actually make the trip. Uh, because in Japan, you need, usually you need something uh, to, to take you to Japan long-term, like a job usually, or you're gonna study Right. That's, that's, that's another, that's another one. 
Um, and you have to know the language too, right? Because yeah, but not people, too many people. No, but look, bro, trust me, man. People <laughs> have been in Japan for 15 years and they don't speak it. I'm not even joking. It's a thing. Um, it's almost like any other country. It's it's funny that we don't think about that. You know, like for instance, in Canada, for instance, or if, even in America, you yeah. know, you have people who speak one language and not English. I think it happens in any country across the world. You have people that that live there who don't speak the language. Um, but I think one thing is if you're a black person, you won't see um, many people that look like you. Mm-hmm. One thing with living in Asia is you will always be reminded that you that you are a foreigner or an outsider or an other. So that's something that I don't think you can escape. Even if you speak the language fluently, I think it's something that you can't ex- escape, right? So you are the eternal other. Yeah, sometimes there are, some people do have some ignorance. You have some experiences where they might rub you the wrong way, but it's not something that will will disturb you or just linger in your mind, right? You might have someone get up from beside you on the train, I don't know, once every five months or something, um, or maybe more frequent. Some people do get stopped by the police often, from what I've heard. I've only been stopped twice, mm-hmm. um, you know, but for the most part, the thing is this, right? You got to, when I look at it, it's comparing what you're used to right now to what this is. So which experience right. is better? And and this one is a better experience. It's a better experience, right? Nowhere's perfect. Man, I've had people, uh, women clutch their purses. I've had yep. people gotten out the elevator earlier than the, their actual floor was. I had so many, I got stopped by the police. I wasn't even in the car. I was in the deli. And these yeah. guys said, you fit a description. So <laughs> if I can go through this stuff here, like, I understand but, that. But you know what? It happens in Japan, too. But uh, like one, for instance, me, I'm walking sometimes, right? And uh, maybe I'm a scary look. I don't think I'm scary looking. It depends. It depends on my mood that day. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I see people walking, right? And they would see me coming and we're walking in the same direction. So I'm walking toward them and they're walking toward me. And then there's like a alley to the right or whatever, to the side. And I see the person, I know they're not trying to like turn, but they saw me, <laughs> they just took into the hat. I'm like, wait, that's a dead end. Like there's, the, where are you going? I'm like, there's nothing on that side, where are you going? And then there's a guy who had another story and I interviewed him and this is a hilarious story where he's walking, he's a bigger guy cause he, he lifts weight, right? So he's uh, weight, so he's a big guy. And dude is walking, he's saying uh, a Japanese lady was coming and then you have the road, there's like this, fence or whatever um that separates the, the the sidewalk from the road and the lady saw him and she hopped over it this old lady she hopped it and she went into the road but because the sidewalk was a little bit higher when he walked by she couldn't get over because now she was lower and she's short so she's so she's fighting the climax over i'm like i'm not very if i saw i would i would be laughing my head off i'm like i'm sorry i would laugh her to score and as i would say but yeah so you do have um experiences like that it's not as bad as somewhere else you won't get killed um i think black people will live longer um like in japan for instance right because you know maybe the food it depends what you eat the food is healthier for the most part i think no one's gonna try to kill you um whether it's police or other people um and you might you know if you're healthy enough and you take care of yourself you might live a pretty long life in japan what I was really intrigued about is the black entrepreneurs, like mm-hmm. people who could set up their businesses, um, 
run it themselves, have customers, people come in. So it was like, wow, you can actually go into these different countries and start up something of your own and profit. You know, it's not like they won't come in and take your services, you know? Uh, So I'm not sure if you can do it or not, but do you have like a top five countries list and like a short sentence of why it's ranked where it's ranked? (laughs) I wonder if I should keep that one like a little secret. Um, (laughs) You're not being pressured. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. Well, what I can say is I, I won't do the rank. Yeah. But what I can say is that people, um, I've heard that, man, I don't know if I should. <laughs> I could say, well, right now, I think my top two would be Japan and Singapore. I think those would be my top two. And I think Singapore, because I don't know, man, it's beautiful. I just I just love it there. Um, it's beautiful. Uh, yes, it's expensive, but I just like the fact that you can get the fruits that you need. There's a variety of food. It's the same thing, I guess, with Vietnam, too, and uh, some other countries as well. But I really like Singapore. The first time I went to Singapore, um, it was hot. Like, I was melting, but I liked it, man. I loved it. So I would say my top two um, so far are Japan and Singapore. All right. We'll we'll write it down. Ronzo, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. And thank you for creating, uh, one, this channel and, and showing just a positive light of our images. And I think it's so important. Uh, so you're, you're doing a great thing. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you to Lee Researcher, Con Branch, Assistant Producers, Luke Bianco and David White, and music by Brandon Williams. Follow Immigration Nerds on Twitter at IMMNerds and Erickson Immigration Group on LinkedIn to join in the conversation. I'm Ian Gaines. See you next week.